You're listening to IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. Welcome to the reading of the Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil for February 12th. I'm Mel Digert from Drake University. Here is our first story. Children, Family Incorporated staffers deliver Valentine's cards to Risen Sun seniors. Residents at Risen Sun Christian Village got a sweet surprise Friday when children from Family Incorporated's program delivered homemade Valentine's cards to them as part of a holiday party in the cafeteria. Ray Doggerty, a resident for about three years, said it was fun to have children visit. Caroline Ashman echoed that sentiment. They're so cute, she said. She added that the valentine she had received was so pretty. Nothing excites our residents more than kids, said Crystal Carey, a Risen Sun staffer. We're very fortunate we have a lot of people who support Risen Sun, but to have them hand it to the residents is special. It's personal. At least 30 different children and families worked on Valentine's, said Joanne Callahan, Families, Family Engagement Coordinator. These Valentines were made during home visits, she said. We brought supplies and they put their imaginations to it. We had kids zero to three, birth to age three. We did have some extra Valentines made by families and employees, but generally they were made by kids. While not nearly all of the children who worked on them could be there to deliver them Friday morning, there were some who were one to two years old and one who was two months, Callahan said. McKenna Murphy and other employees from Every Step Hospice helped with a bingo game in which heart-shaped candies served as markers, and Jean Bonker and others from assisted living locators helped make sure participants had what they needed. Risen Sun, part of Christian Horizons, offers assisted living with access to rehabilitation, long-term health care, coordinated pharmacy services, and memory support. The campus also includes independent apartments and townhomes. Next to this article, there is a picture with a caption that says, From Wright, Risen Sun Christian Village resident Ray Daggerty receives a Valentine's Day card from Claire Johnson, 9, and Daniel Mitchell, 1, during a Valentine's Day party at the assisted living facility on Friday, February 10th, 2023. And there is a nine-year-old girl with a one-year-old handing a beautiful Valentine to a resident. The next story is landowners push to restrict eminent domain for CO2 pipelines. Landowners and environmental activists gather in the Iowa State Capitol last week seeking to lobby legislators to restrict carbon dioxide pipelines that are in the works across the state. Dressed in red and sporting signs and pins decrying eminent domain 
and CO2 pipelines, the activists have become a recurring site at the Capitol as they hope to convince lawmakers to slow the steady march of three pipeline companies seeking permission from the Iowa Utilities Board to capture carbon from Iowa ethanol plants and shuttle it underground. Pipeline-related legislation in this session has mostly come from Senator Jeff Taylor, a Republican from Sioux Center, though none of the bills he has proposed has advanced. Taylor has filed five bills related to pipeline restrictions. Senate File 100 requires pipeline companies seeking eminent domain to disclose investors. Senate File 101 eliminates eminent domain authority for hazardous liquid pipelines. And Senate File 102 repeals the law allowing access to land for surveys for pipelines. Senate File 103 requires pipeline companies to gain permission from landowners before entering into easement negotiations. Our next story is Iowa Agbird requests extra money to fight federal overreach. Des Moines. Brenna Bird, Iowa's new Republican Attorney General, whose primary campaign platform was a pledge to stand up to Democratic President Joe Biden, has asked state lawmakers to approve nearly $1 million to push back on overreach. The request is part of Presentation Bird's office made recently to lawmakers who in the coming weeks will craft state spending for the next budget year beginning July 1. Bird requested an additional $920,000 additional $920,514 to fund six full-time equivalent positions for lawyers equivalent positions for lawyers and two paralegals who prime whose primary duties would be according to the office's presentation to protect the state's interests against federal overreach protect Iowa farmers and defend Iowa's statutes Bird became Iowa Attorney General in January after defeating Democrat Tom Miller, the longest-serving state attorney general in U.S. history. In the past November's elections, during her campaign, Bird frequently pledged to use the state attorney general's office as a legal firewall between Iowans and Biden administration. The most recent example was revealed Thursday when Bird's office announced it has joined Republican attorney generals in two dozen other states who are suing the Biden administration over a federal regulation that requires gun owners to register any guns with attached pistol braces. Attorney General Byrd is requesting funding to hire the legal team needed to prosecute criminals, protect victims, and hold the Biden administration accountable when it comes to overstepping its authority, Byrd says. Byrd's press secretary, Alyssa 
Brulette. Brulette said in an email statement, she's committed to doing the job Iowans elected her to do. There currently are about 150 attorneys in the Attorney General's office, Brulette said. Democratic state lawmakers criticized Byrd's budget request, calling it an attempt to use taxpayer-funded positions for politically motivated lawsuits. Iowa taxpayers have absolutely no business and should not expect to pay $900,000 for politically motivated lawsuits to help Donald Trump's campaign to beat Joe Biden, said Representative Jennifer Converse from Windsor Heights, leader of the Iowa, Iowa House Democrats. That's what this $900,000 $900, request is. It's simply an effort to take taxpayer money to help political campaigns, and that's simply unacceptable. Miller had joined multiple lawsuits against Republican, Republican former President Donald Trump's administration until State House Republicans intervened in 2019. Republican state lawmakers that year passed legislation that would have required the attorney general to receive the governor's permission before joining a multi-state lawsuit. Reynolds vetoed the proposal instead, entering into a handshake agreement with Miller that he would seek her permission before entering such lawsuit. Next story. Library reading program to shine light on area food insecurity. Food insecurity is a very real problem for millions of adults and children across the United States, and Pottawatomie County is no exception. Nearly 10% of the county's population struggles with food insecurity, about one-third of which are children under the age of 18. Food security insecurity Food insecurity is defined by the U.S. Department of Agriculture as the lack of access at times to enough food for an active, healthy life. The Council Bluffs Public Library is hoping to raise awareness of the issue and what can be done about it with its One Community Reads program. This year's theme is The World is Your Garden the feature and features four books fiction and nonfiction for adults, teens, and younger children that illustrate the power in communities coming together in the face of difficulty, as well as event programming for all ages, including author visits, book talks, and community projects. This year, our focus on community gardens will highlight how these gardens can build community through people working together and how they help fight food insecurity in our backyard. Council Bluffs Public Library Director Antonia Krupanaka-Smith said. We selected the challenge of food insecurity based on the information we were hearing in the community from service nonprofits that work to address that challenge. Throughout the pandemic, we have heard lots of news stories and seen an increase in demand for food assistance, and we wanted to help by raising awareness and providing education. Through the awareness, Krupa Pika Smith 
hopes community members will be inclined to learn more about food insecurity in the area and ways to help address it. Once a community member has read the book, maybe they will decide they can plant a garden or donate to a food bank or learn more about what an agency in town is doing to address food insecurity and how that makes our community stronger. Group Pika Smith said, the One Community Reads program is really about building and strengthening our community to learn more about what we can all do together. During One Community Reads, the community is invited to read one or more of the four titles and participate in events throughout March and April, including author talks. The four titles are Counting by Sevens by Holly Goldberg Sloan is a New York Times bestseller written for ages 10 to 12 that focuses on a girl grieving Counting by Sevens by Holly Goldberg Sloan is a New York Times bestseller written for ages 10 to 12 that focuses on a young girl dealing with grief discovering that a found family can be just as meaningful and loving as the one that raised you. Counting by Sevens is a deeply moving text that very clearly illustrates the impact of community at all ages and the support we can all provide for each other. Krupika Smith said, Adolescence can be very isolating time, and this title highlights that the support is all around us and sometimes in places we never imagined. Sloan will speak at Kern and Lewis Central Middle School, and she will participate in an author talk at the library at 7 p.m. on Tuesday, March 14th. The Seed Keeper by Diane Wilson is a novel spanning generations that tells that tells stories of a Dakota family struggling to preserve their way of life. It weaves together four women's voices and highlights our relationship to seeds and ancestors. The Seed Keepers is regionally specific and also highlights the importance of native seeds to our region as well as the cultural community around seeds and our history Krupika Smith said with our wonderful resource of a seed library and free seeds at the library card members can check out we hope that community members will feel they too can plant gardens and save seeds Wilson will speak at the Hoff Family Arts and Culture Center on Tuesday, April 11th at 7 p.m. Culinary History of Iowa, Sweet Corn, Pork Tenderloins, Made Rights and More by Darcy. Culinary History of Iowa, Sweet Corn, Pork Tenderloins, Made Rights and More by Darcy Duggerty. Molesbury is a nonfiction book that looks at the history of Iowa food, including its deep ties to area farms and shares stories and recipes of some of Iowa's favorite homegrown foods, like classic Iowa ham balls, steak de burgo, and homemade cinnamon rolls served with chili. Darcy Mulberry's title is clearly 
Darcy Molesby's title is clearly a representation of our region and food and our partnership with the ISU Extension Office clearly connects with what is mentioned in the book around 4-H clubs and community gardening and preservation, Group Picka Smith said. Molesby will speak at the Hoff Family Arts and Culture Center on Tuesday, April 25th at 7 p.m. Up in the Garden and Down in the Dirt by Kate Messner is a children's book around the hidden life of the garden throughout the year. Written for ages four to eight, this book looks at what happens up in a garden with leaves, stalks, and fruit, and the busy world down in the dirt. Up in the Garden, Down in the Dirt is a wonderfully accessible text for our young readers, and additionally, the author has many additional popular texts that will support further reading and early literacy, Group Picka Smith said. Messner will visit Lewis and Clark Elementary, whose students will be joined by elementary students from Crescent and St. Albert, and at an author event at the library at 6 p.m. on Thursday, April 27th. I feel that all of the titles selected this year will help to start the conversation in our community, and the community members of all ages have a good selection to read, Group of Picksmith said. One community reads kicks off the with the library's third annual pollinator palooza event on the saturday march 4th from 11 a.m to 2 p.m the event will be a buzz with family-friendly activities and local experts will be on hand to answer questions guests are encouraged to bring seeds for the prairie rose seed library swap an old-timey string band the Flatwater Drifters will perform from 12.30 to 1.30 p.m. One Community Reads, sponsored by Council Bluffs Public Library Foundation, aims to raise awareness of, the, of a community and regional challenge through a book selection that supports community discussion, awareness, and action. For more information about the One Community Read reading books and community events, visit councilbluffslibrary.org backslash OCR. Reynolds' latest idea to restrict school books would let the minority rule. Recent public opinion poll found that three-quarters of Americans want members of Congress to end their bickering and begin compromising more about their colleagues from the other party. The poll was conducted across the United States by Morris College's Institute for Public Opinion for National Public Radio and the PBS NewsHour. If such a poll were conducted in Iowa, it's my hunch the pollsters would find people here have similar views of the inability or unwillingness of senators and representatives in Washington to engage in the thoughtful give-and-take art of lawmaking. It is also my hunch that Iowans are at a similar point with respect to the legislature's recent stirring of proposed laws that target our 327 public school districts. That hunch gelled even before Kip, Governor Kim Reynolds signaled 
last week where she may be headed next in her quest to transform public schools. Her new goal should bother freedom-loving moms and dads and others who understand that our founding fathers wanted when they established the United States, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Reynolds addressed a gathering of a few hundred people at a forum organized by a national group called Moms for Liberty, and the group advocates for changes in state laws to give parents more say in how public K-12 schools operate. The, gover the governor said Iowa needs to restore sanity to make sure our schools are a place of learning and not indoctrination. She floated the idea of changing Iowa law so that if one school district decides to remove a, bro a book from its library or classroom, then every other school district would be required to move the same book and allow students read it only with parents' permission. The governor believes public school districts are dominated by an extreme and extremely loud minority who are hostile to parents' values. She criticizes public schools for demonizing our country and for having an obsession with race in the classroom. It is important to note, however, that Reynolds did not cite specific examples to buttress her claims. It is also important to note that the demographic of Iowa school districts vary widely from some that are made of nearly all Caucasian kids, to some in which most students are not Caucasian, to others in which come from families speaking dozens of languages at home. Reynolds did not share with her audience how Iowa schools currently book review process works. When complaints are made by people in the community or by students, that is important because those decisions to keep or remove books or restrict access to certain books involves committees of educators, students, and ordinary citizens, and school superintendents and the school boards elected by voters ultimately are the final arbiters. School districts also have policies in place now that allow parents to ask their child not to be given certain books for classroom assignments and not be allowed to check out certain books from school libraries. What is troubling about Reynolds' latest proposal is that it would allow a handful of parents in one school to substitute their judgment for the book decisions that rightfully should be made by tens of thousands of other parents across Iowa. And the logistics of complying with such an ill-conceived law could quickly overwhelm teachers and administrators. The idea of banning books run the idea of banning books runs counter to most people's concept of freedom. It seems to be a practice more common in authoritarian countries rather than world's leading democracy. If there are books some parents do not want their children reading, those parents already have a way to keep those books out of their kids' hands at school. No one is trying to take that role away from parents, but those 
parents should not have to have veto power over the books that other parents are comfortable allowing their kids read. Many of those comfortable parents realize the internet has content accessible to anyone, including school kids, that is far more graphic or more offensive than any student will find in their school library. PEN America, a national nonprofit organization that advocates for free expression, issued a report last fall and said Texas schools ban more books from their library than any other state. 801 books in 22 school districts. Most of the books dealt with race, racism, abortion, and LGBTQ topics. Through history, officials have tried to ban access to such acclaimed titles as To Kill a Mockingbird, Uncle Tom's Cabin, and The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Suzanne Nossel, Penn's Penn America's top executive said in a statement issued with book banning report, this censorous movement is turning our public schools into political battlegrounds, driving wedges within communities, forcing teachers and librarians from their jobs and casting a chill over the spirit of open inquiry and intellectual freedom that underpin a flourishing democracy. You are listening to Council Bluff's Daily Nonpareil for February 12th on IRS. You're listening to Council Bluff's Daily Nonpareil for February 12th on IRIS, the Iowa Re- Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and Print Handicapped in Des Moines. I'm Mel Digert from Drake University. Iris volunteers love to hear from listeners. If you have any comments or questions about this or any Iris program, please call toll-free from anywhere in Iowa at 877-404-4747. Obituaries. Richard Krenzer. Richard L. Dick Krenzer of Oakland, Iowa, passed away on his 84th birthday, February 9th, 2023, at CHI Mercy Hospital. Dick was born February 9th, 1939, in O'Neill, Nebraska, to the late Harvey and Gertrude Schneider Krenzer. He graduated from Abraham Lincoln High School Obituaries. Richard Krenzer. Clutter O'Neill Meyer Woodry Funeral Home and Crematory. Carter Lika. Rotor Mortary 108th Chapel. Sports. Titans, Lynx, and Rams send wrestler to state. The Lewis Central and Abraham Lincoln Lynx will send a combined seven wrestlers to next week's state tournament in Des Moines after Saturday's Class 3A District 5 tournament at Lewis Central. Lewis Central will be sending four wrestlers to Wells Fargo Arena next week for state, namely freshman Daniel Overall, 
who was the 106th runner-up. Sophomore Carter Scorch was the district champion at 113 as he defeated Dallas Center Grimes' Aiden Beck by an 8-6 decision to earn his spot. Freshman Paxton Blanchard at 160 won a wrestle back over Dallas Center Grimes' Brendan Smith. Senior Braylon Camrad was the runner-up at 170 for the Titans as he fell by a 6-1 decision to Dallas Center Grimes' Jacob Fissler. For the Lynx, Jameson Vanderveld was the 106 district champion after he defeated LC's overall by fall 56 seconds into the match. Sophomore Jonathan Ryan was the runner-up in the 120 bracket, and Parker Herzog was the district champion in the 138 class as he defeated Lincoln Hutt by a 9-1 decision to lock up a trip to Des Moines. In Class 2A, Glenwood had eight wrestlers qualify for the state tournament as the Rams hosted the Class 2A District 5 tournament. Junior Vinny Mayberry was the first to earn his place as he won the district title in the 120 bracket after defeating Southwest Iowa's Seth Edelman by a 12-5 decision. Junior Britton Maxwell was the runner-up at 126. Junior Matt Beam defeated Southwest Iowa's Gabe Johnson by fall 34 seconds into the match. And sophomore Reese Fable was the 145 district champion as he beat Shenandoah's Jacob McGargill 4-2. Junior Kellen Scott was the runner-up in the 160 bracket Senior C.J. Carter was crowned a district champion at 195 as he defeated Harlan's Zach Brendorf by a 13-7 decision. Freshman Mason Kohler also earned a district title at 220 after beating Atlantic's Miles Mundorf by a 3-0 decision. Finally, Trent Patton at 285 qualified as a district runner-up. There is a picture attached to this article of two wrestlers on the mat for a takedown. Riverside's David Bramman left wrestles Underwood's Avery Vacant during the 106 pound championship match at a class 1A district eight meet in Oakland on Saturday, February 11th. 2023. Iowa women's basketball. Hawkeyes work to clean up their game. Lisa Bluter is convinced there is a lesson to be learned from fifth-ranked Iowa's nine-point loss at second-ranked Indiana on Thursday. The Hawkeye women's basketball coach figures she will learn if her team learns as well with their work in upcoming games beginning with a 2 p.m. game Sunday against Rutgers at Carver Hawkeye Arena. Anytime you lose your confidence takes a bit of a hit, Bluter said. 
If we can learn from it, it can help us. We were right there with a couple we were right there with a couple of minutes to go against the second-ranked team in the country in a game where we didn't play our best basketball. Bluter points pointed to several areas where Iowa must improve if it hopes to be in a position to be back in the race for a Big Ten title when the Hoosers visit Carver Hawkeye Arena on February 26th. That work starts with reducing turnovers. The Hawkeyes had 18 in the 87-79 to loss on Thursday, the third time in six games Iowa has turned the ball over at least that many times and too shy of the season high of 20 committed in January 18th game at Michigan State. From Bluter's perspective, many of the turnovers the Hawkeyes had against the Hoosiers were self-inflicted. She pointed out that seven came during the first 10 minutes of the game. I felt like we missed a chance to take control of the game early, Bluter said. We gave them six more shots, six more possessions from turnovers alone. Several came as the Hawkeyes attempted to feed Monica in the post, something that impacted the seniors' total shot. Sinzo took just six shots. Attached to this article is a picture of Lisa Bluter standing with her arms out. Captioned, Iowa women's basketball coach Lisa Bluter said fifth-ranked Hawkeyes must work to reduce the number of self-inflicted turnovers that proved problematic in Thursday's loss at second-ranked Indiana. Iowa turned the ball over 10 Iowa turned the ball over 18 times in this loss. New Logan Firehall aims for fall completion. Old Firehall is too small for current needs. We're running out of room with our truck space. We're definitely out of room with our equipment, said Logan Fire Chief Craig Carbono. The current Logan Fire and Rescue Association Fire Hall, located at 112 North 3rd Avenue, was constructed in 1962. It's really tight. People don't realize how tough it is backing the vehicles in and not damaging things right now, Carbono said. We just definitely outgrew everything that we had, unfortunately. The Logan Fire and Rescue Association, which is a corporation independent from the city of Logan has been working to raise funds to replace the building in a years-long project that is expected to come to fruition this year. We've been working on trying to find enough funding, enough donations to get this taken care of, he said. We're not linked with the city, so we couldn't bond for it. We had to raise the money. The new building will cost around $1 million. The Fire Association is pursuing an arrangement for a loan throughout a local bank. Carbono said, The community has been very understanding of the need for a new fire hall. They come to a lot of our functions, a lot of our fundraisers at the hall, and most every person in this community knows that we're outgrowing our hall. Trucks aren't getting any smaller equipment is not getting any smaller, Carbono said. 
Our donation base and our community is really good to us, so we feel very confident that we're going to be able to take care of this. We're going to have to make payments like any citizen would on their house. One local grant came from Jim Wood Foundation. The late Jim Wood was a Logan banker. The lot for the new fire hall, located on South 3rd Avenue, was purchased from the family of the late Damien Gross, lifelong Logan resident and businessman, three years ago. Carbono said the Fire Association's board carefully manages funds and sticks to its yearly budget. Carbono said the Fire Association looks forward to getting the construction project started. We meet with our city building inspector and we're dealing with the city's engineers, he said. It looks like just as soon as it gets nice and frost gets out of the ground, we can go ahead and start turning over ground and leveling off this lot. Jinderich Structures of Missouri Valley is the building designer. The new fire hall will be 120 feet by 100 feet. That will give us four truck bays, Carbono said. We're going to have three offices and a meeting training room, plus male and female bathrooms, which we've never had. The new building is designed to provide six to eight feet of clearance for each vehicle. The extra space will help keep equipment from being damaged and will be safer for personnel, he said. The decontamination area for situations involving contaminated clothing, bloodborne pathogens, and other hazardous materials is included in the design. We'll have showers in that room to comply with Iowa standards, where with our old building, we never had that, he said. Stairs will lead to an upper level that will initially be used for storage. We talked about eventually framing that in and having some office or quarters training rooms, Carbono said. If the weather permits and contractors don't have issues with acquiring materials, the game plan is to move into the new building in the fall. Attached to this article is a picture of the now Logan Fire Hall. Captioned, the existing fire hall in Logan has been outgrown. A new fire hall is expected this year. Crawford County aims to build new wellness center. Wellness center Wellness center project faces critical fundraising period. We feel good about where we are, said Tim Stewart, chairman of the Crawford County Recreation and Wellness Center Committee. Four to six weeks from now, we should know if we're making enough headway to feel comfortable saying we have a project we can get in the ground in the later part of 2023 and have open in 25. Foursquare Research, Inc. conducted conducted a market study and analysis last summer for the proposed project. Based on positive results, we hired HGM Associates an architectural firm based out of Council Bluffs to do a design, Stewart said. 
The design includes a basic wellness facility with fitness equipment and a fitness classroom area, a walking track, and a multi-purpose gym for various activities such as basketball, volleyball, and pickleball. An amenity that has been added since last summer, but is definitely part of the project, is a field house, he said. It will be an indoor turf field. The initial purpose is soccer, but will be used for a lot of different sporting activities. School, school sports teams will be able to use the field house in the winter to get a head start on practices for spring and summer activities, Stewart said. The estimated cost of the initial design was about $26 million, which Stewart said was too high. We are working with our architect to see what we can what can be done by keeping the amenities that we want in the project but reducing costs, Stewart said. We feel realistically a target of eighteen million dollars to twenty million dollars is doable. The target of twenty six million dollars is probably not. Stewart said it's too early to say what might be cut from the design, but said the above mentioned items are probably non-negotiable so we are now starting in earnest in the fundraising phase of the project he said private donations funds from public entities grants and foundation monies will be sought within the three-year window of construction city hall will have a pledge form available in both english and spanish we are also going to be working with social media to get that information out, Stewart said. The committee encourages people to consider alternative ways to donate to the project, other ways versus cash that people can give. Farmers can consider grain as a donation depending on how people are invested. You may have stocks that have depreciated that are a good vehicle to consider donating toward the project. I'd ask the public to think outside the box as far as how they can be able to give to the project, he said. There's a pledge form where you can pledge your support for the project over a three-year period. That's probably what we need more than anything else over the next month or so. We don't need people to write a check today, but they certainly can. The Wellness Center project needs enough monetary commitments to make other potential funding streams comfortable that the project is shovel ready, he said. Hopefully everybody sees that this is a worthy project, Stewart said. I've heard the term used a transformational project for Western Iowa, and that's what we've got here. Week in review. Biden reaches out to GOP in address. President Joe Biden exhorted Congress on Tuesday night to work with him to finish the job of rebuilding the economy and uniting the nation as he delivered a State of the Union address aimed at reassuring the country beset by pessimism and fraught pol pol political divisions. In his 73-minute speech, Biden sought to portray a nation dramatically improved from the one he took charge of two years ago. From a reeling economy to one prosperous with new jobs, from a pandemic-weary nation to one that has reopened, and a democracy that survived its biggest test 
since the Civil War. We're the only country that has engaged from every crisis we've ever entered stronger than we got into it, Biden said. More than 20,000 dead in disaster of the century. Attached is a picture of a man with his hands covering his head, looking distraught with debris surrounding him. Rescue workers made a final push Thursday to find survivors of an earthquake in Turkey and Syria that rendered many communities unrecognizable to their inhabitants and led the Turkish president to declare it the disaster of the century. The death toll is the death toll in the 7.8 magnitude earthquake which struck early Monday topped 20,000. Above, a woman sits on rubble as emergency rescue teams search for people under the remains of destroyed buildings Tuesday in Turkey. In the news, U.S. balloon part of huge spy program. The China balloon shot down by the U.S. last weekend was equipped to detect and collect intelligence signals as part of a huge military-linked aerial surveillance program that targeted more than 40 countries, the Biden administration said Thursday. A fleet of balloons operates under the direction of the People's Liberation Army and is used specifically for spying, outfitted with high-tech equipment designed to gather sensitive information from targets across the globe. The U.S. said similar balloons have sailed over five continents, according to the administration. In the news, Walmart shooting. A Texas man pleaded guilty Wednesday to federal charges, accusing him of killing nearly two dozen people in a racist attack at a El Paso Walmart in 2019 changing his plea weeks after the U.S. government said it wouldn't seek the death penalty for the hate crimes and firearm violations. In the news, interest rates. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said Tuesday that if the U.S. job market further strengthens in coming months or inflation readings accelerate, the Fed might have to raise its benchmark interest rate higher than it now projects. In the news, Biden family. In testimony before Congress, former Twitter executives conceded Wednesday they made a mistake by blocking a story about President Joe Biden's son from the social media platform ahead of 2020 election, and they denied GOP assertion they were pressured by Democrats and law enforcement to suppress a New York Post article in October 2020 about the contents of a laptop belonging to Hunter Biden. In the news, King James. LeBron James has passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the NBA's career scoring record with the torch getting handed to one of one member of the Los Angeles Lakers to another. The record breaker came Tuesday when James scored 38 points against the Oklahoma City Thunder to push his career total to 38,390, three more than Abdul Jabbar. In the news, Grammy Awards. 
On a night when Beyonce made Grammys history, other artists grabbed the top award last Sunday. Harry Styles won Album of the Year for Harry's House. Lizzo won Record of the Year for About Damn Time. Veteran singer-songwriter Bonnie Riot won Song of the Year for Just Like That. And jazz singer Samara Joy won Best New Artist. In the news. Meat free. Chick-fil-A is jumping to a plant-based plant bandwagon. The Atlanta chain said Thursday it will begin testing its first plant-based entree, a breaded cauliflower sandwich, on February 13th at restaurants in Denver, Charleston, South Carolina, and the Greensboro, North Carolina area. In the news, Power Grid. A Maryland woman spent months conspiring with a neo-Nazi leader based in Florida to plan an attack on Baltimore's power grid, hoping to further their racism mission. Federal law enforcement officials said Monday the plan was thwart when both suspects were arrested last week. Derailment. Residents were able to return Wednesday to the village of East Palestine, Ohio, where crews burned toxic chemicals after a train derailed five days earlier. Officials said monitors showed no dangerous levels in the air. Health. Ways to reduce health. Ways you can reduce your blood pressure. Question. I already take two different blood pressure medications, but my top number is still too high. I would like to bring it down without taking an additional drug. What can I do? Answer. You may need to ramp up healthy habits to maximize their blood pressure lowering effects, starting by eating a plant-based diet that's low in salt. Aim for less than 2,400 milligrams of salt per day. You should also be getting at least 7 hours of sleep per night, limiting alcohol, avoiding smoking, and maintaining a healthy weight. Sometimes, losing just 5 or 10 pounds can make a meaningful difference in blood pressure for people who are overweight. And if you are not exercising much, it's time to start. Exercise boosts cardiovascular health in many ways. And a small, randomized trial published in JAMA Cardiology suggests that aerobic exercise, the kind that gets your heart and lungs pumping, may be another effective treatment for tough-to-control hypertension. In this study, people who walked, cycled, or both for 40 minutes three times per week for 12 weeks lowered their blood pressure by 7 points in the top number of their blood pressure measurement and five points in the bottom number of the measurement compared to people who didn't exercise. You may be taking an over-the-counter product or supplement that is raising your blood pressure. Bring your doctor a list of all the medications you are taking or bring a bag with all the medication bottles. Include over-the-counter drugs, vitamins, and supplements. The list or bag of medicines can help your doctor identify any that are contributing. For example, taking non-sorital anti-inflammatory drugs such as ibuprofen or Motrin 
Advil can raise blood pressure. So can decongestants such as things found in many cold medicines. For example, alternative medication or physical therapy can relieve arthritis pain and can reduce or eliminate the need for NSAID. Or the doctor may see that your medications can be streamlined. Fewer pills in total or fewer pills you need to take more than once a day. If these strategies don't reduce your blood pressure, your doctor may feel it's necessary to prescribe more pills. But don't despair. No matter what you are taking now, your doctor should be able to make affordable changes in your blood pressure medication to bring down your numbers. Lifestyle. Full blast. When crafting a gym playlist, it's tempting to throw out all your favorite songs together. But believe it or not, there's a science behind what makes a great workout playlist and how music can impact your body more generally. Music is able to increase stimulation as there's a connection between auditory neurons and motor neurons. That's why music often makes us more mobile and motivates our body to move, explained Making Music Mag. A 2008 study from Costas Caragio an associate professor of sports psychology at Brunel University in England found that song tempos should be between 120 and 140 beats per minute, which is also roughly the average person's heart rate when working out. If you don't want to curate your own workout playlist, popular music apps like Spotify and Pandora have options. For one, Spotify's Beast Mode playlist has more than nine hours of music. Here are a few more playlist suggestions from certain personal trainers around the country. Wish I Never, Notice Me, Tomorrow Too, Players. Music gets my mind off what I'm doing in the gym, said certified personal trainer nutritionist and online coach online coach lyrics are important said joy dossman a certified personal trainer sublinally we are feeding our minds whether we are aware of it or not so i can play clean music keeping it clean here's some joy's picks communion by mike teasy sleeping by no no big dial joyful noise by flame and For the Father by Young Boy. And that brings us to the end of today's reading of the Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil for February 12th. The Nonpareil can be heard each weekday at 3 p.m. Iris volunteers love to hear from listeners. If you have any comments or questions about today's broadcast or any Iris program, please call toll free from anywhere in Iowa at 877-404-4747. I'm Melanie Digert from Drake University in Des Moines. Thank you for listening.